Calling all beans, y'all. Let's get it. Welcome back to Calling All Beings on Sunday. Yes! I'm your host, DJ, here with my man, Money Nathan. What's up, brother? What's up, DJ? How's it going? Oh, man, it's going great now, man. We're about to get it. The energy's up. I'm drinking some of the wine I got for you for Christmas. So we're going to get down with our associate producer, Akashi Chris, in unison. Hi, Ak- Hi Akashi. <laughs> Hi. I have you guys on mute because that's like a crazy dog situation. It doesn't make so, you a bad person. It we're doesn't. back in, but I'm so excited about today, you guys. Hi, me too. everyone. Yes, me too. You were gonna, we're going to introduce our guest in a minute. Uh, also with us today is our humorist, uh, our antagonist humorist. Party people, put those hands together for Flares. Kevin, how you doing, brother? I'm wonderful. How are uh, you? Your flock is here. We're here to listen to the yes. sage words of Flair's Kevin. Mm-hmm. Also, last but not least, is our researcher, the genius one, the host of Deb's Data Dojo, uh, us at a study of UAPs. What's up, Deb? Hi, everyone. All is well. All is well. Yeah, and your hair looks great. Too bad they can't see it, but that's another matter. Uh, now, <laughs> we get ready to bring on our guest, baby. All the way from the UK, from Bolton, outside of Manchester. Party people, put those hands together for the UFO thinker, Frank, baby. Yes! Can I get an amen for Frank? Amen. Oh, oh my gosh. And our... (laughs) Frank, what's up, brother? We gonna bring on your homegirl because we couldn't let you be alone. Got to bring some backup, even though she got some American in her veins. She's probably the best motorcycle track rider on the show, including myself. So party people, everybody put their hands together for at the Thunderbird. Charlotte, what's up, girlfriend? Our music producer. Look at that. Look what's going on in the background, Flair. How you like that? Thunderbird. Yeah, look at that. Yeah. I want to make sure everybody's not Welcome. surprised about all the peaches that are going on on the chat right now, because this is actually an honor to get butt rated mm. by that one time uh, I was abducted. So the nice. peaches. Oh, what's up, homegirl? Yeah. Hey, everybody. Hey. Mm-hmm. One love. What's, what's going on? Uh, yeah, we're going to be chatting with those guys pretty soon. That one time uh, I see Mr. Gambino in there. Hello. Welcome, guys. Uh, anyway, we got to get this kicked off because the the Dolphin Emperor finna be here. So uh, Charlotte's going to help us out. If you have questions for Frank, the focus, the focus of today's show, the UFO thinker. And when listen to his show, it's brilliant, man. Frank, man, what How's you think going? about, bro? What's it? Uh, say that word for us. What's that word? Neutrino? What, what's that word? Anti-neutrinos. Okay, and that's not an organic breakfast cereal. Apparently not, but it it, it does sound like it would be tasty if it was, doesn't it? <laughs> Nathan, take it away, brother. 
<laughs> Sugar right coated anti neutrinos. Yeah, that sounds really tasty. Yeah, excellent. Frank, great to have you with us today. Really enjoy your show. I love the way that you uh, methodically kind of approach the news and, and all the topics and really break it down for folks. Uh, but I'm correct in understanding that, uh, you know, you didn't sort of always want to do this kind of thing and that you just weren't always planning to do a podcast. One day you decided, like, you just have to do this. But what was the kind of tipping point for you that really got you into doing the podcast? Was there like an experience you had or just like something that a compulsion? What happened there? Uh, well, it was it was just around the the last few years, really, of everything kicking off, you know, with the, the, the Nimitz videos and the various Navy videos. And I'd been kind of lurking on, on UFO Twitter and listening to a lot of podcasts and uh, particularly that UFO podcast. Um, mm-hmm. and, yeah, and, and just, just kind of in the background and then just getting more and more obsessed, basically. You know how it goes. I'm sure you guys are kind of the same. You know, it's a snowball effect. And and then one day, basically, just decided it was a bit of a weird one, to be honest. I just woke up in the morning and thought, you know what? Eh, I'm going to make a podcast. And then... <laughs> And then it obviously it crossed my mind a little bit in the, in the past. It wasn't completely random, but um, yeah, I just woke up one day and decided, yeah, actually, let's just have a go with it. And by about sort of one two p.m. that day, I actually had a podcast out on Spotify with artwork, and wow. the whole thing just—I mean, I'd probably cringe a bit if I listened back to that first episode <laughs> now. But you know, it was good to get the ball rolling. Amazing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, does it? Yeah, that's the yeah, thing. No. Just got to get started. But Absolutely. yeah, and, and then it, and then it just kind of evolved from there. Really, I sort of had a few a few guests on, and, and sort of fell into a bit of a routine with it. And recently, I've been doing um, some recent events roundup type episodes as well, which is like you know basically everything been going on in the in the UFO world, and my little digest of kind of what I think of those various topics, and you know going into a bit, a bit of detail on them, as well as some deep dives into some older cases that I haven't been aware of you know, before and, and really trying to dig into them and research them. So I've done a few episodes like that and crash retrievals and, and things like that as well over, over the last uh, few months. It's probably been about seven or eight months now of having the podcast. So started to uh, pick up a bit of momentum recently, which is nice, you know. Amazing. Definitely, baby. Yeah, it's, it's good to uh, it's good to meet you. Um, and, and, you know, you did have some, some deep thoughts about, about a bunch of different issues. So it seems like your name, the name of your podcast is rather apropos, uh, in this case. And I'm curious, like in, in terms of when, when you start to contextualize this, uh, the, uh, the, the different craft, is there something that, that resonates with you that says, I think this is this, or I find this super intriguing the, the the way that perhaps something goes in the water or or perhaps an orb type of a, a craft or a tic-tac type of a craft triangular type of a craft is there something that that speaks to you specifically or that you have a hypothesis on well i, I have some some general hypotheses about why these things are here and all the rest of it but in terms of like the different shapes i mean first thing to say is i I don't really know i don't have a clue like but that's kind of you know why we look into these things isn't it to to find out more but it seems to me if i had to kind of you know say certain shapes perhaps for certain roles and things like that that the the triangles the, the big triangles and the boomerangs and things like that seem to be more of a perhaps mapping or something like that surveying perhaps and i've heard i've heard a few people talking about um uh during 
abduction experiences and things like that being actually on board triangular craft and there's some element of um you know genetic uh, manipulation on board the craft and, and breeding hybrid programs and things like that <laughs> obviously that's it's it's a lot down to uh, individual accounts rather than any hard evidence of that or anything but i suppose if you were looking at like a different shapes having certain uh, functions i think that's something that comes up fairly often with the triangles and it sort of seems to me that the 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 tic tacs and the smaller orb type of craft and things like that could perhaps be more of a a probe i mean again at the end of the day i don't know but that that's kind of how it strikes me like the bigger ones probably have some kind of you know hybrid program function and things like that whereas the smaller ones are perhaps sensors you know they i'd imagine they probably some of them operate together as well but as i say it's all speculation but that's kind of a few thoughts for you why do you think that there is a, and i'm sorry if I, I don't want to cut anybody off but why do you think if there is this this i mean because we've talked about this on a couple of different episodes nathan and i were tackling this a little bit with james Dolly. what do you think if there is a hybridization program what clicks in your mind that that might be the reason for such a program well it, it depends which angle you go down i mean i don't have a really a really sort of um you know set viewpoint on it it changes all the time um but there's the the time travel uh ideas that, that people discuss so that these could be potentially people from the future like humans even from the from the future coming back and there could have been some kind of cataclysm and and they need genetic material um to actually help them out in the future and um, it, it could be that you know some of these um beings these intelligences could have actually been involved with the planet for uh, you know a very long time and they could have been doing these things all along and could have had something to do with the way that humans actually uh, evolved over time as well but obviously like i say i don't actually know i find it very fun to speculate and and, and you know, yeah you know, ponder about these things yeah. but they can't have any certainty like a lot of mm-hmm. things in the ufo topic but um that yeah that those kind of seem to be you know some of the more plausible reasons that i've come across as to why they might actually be you know manipulating human dna and having hybrid programs in general but there is also quite a bit more of a you know in-depth slightly more out there perhaps uh concept that, that i've uh developed over time as well uh, but it's not necessarily directly to do with the hybrid thing Man, Exo Academia talking about reality on his podcast this week. We could do like a whole episode about reality, but go ahead, Nathan, take it away, and then we'll get the yeah, cabbies in there. I mean, if you wouldn't mind indulging us, I'd love to hear what you're talking about there, what what theory you're mentioning. Yeah, well, it's pretty deep, um, pretty intense, this one. And again, it's all... all... Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be right with you guys, the cab. Yeah, it's 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 all uh, you know purely speculation. This that's definitely worth pointing out because obviously I try and anything that I do on my podcast, I always try and have a distinction between when you're talking about factual cases that you can actually say this is this, this is this. You know, mm-hmm. such a body saw it. We've got data. We've got you know whatever. There's none of that for this. Yeah. Um, but but my thinking with it is, if there, you know, indeed is some kind of non-human intelligences that are coming here and interacting with humans if you try and imagine where they actually originated or what what when they started to kind of develop and things like that it seems pretty unlikely to me that they'd be 
on a similar kind of level of development as as where we are now. Because I mean, it, it'd be a, an unbelievable coincidence, wouldn't it, if you look at the vastness of time that. Uh, another intelligence would develop at the universe somewhere out there in the universe at exactly the same time as us and end up at a similar point exactly right now when we're at that point. So mm-hmm. they, they could be way, way more advanced. They could have started to you know get to the stage that we are now a million years ago or you know even a hundred million years ago. So mm-hmm. it could be you know it really could be futile to even try and understand you know what what they're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. But what I try and think about is, if that is the case and they've developed the technologies maybe on a, even a similar kind of uh, angle to where we're going with our technologies as humans at this point in time, you know, we've got things like Neuralink, we've got more more and more interconnected technology from, from one human to another across the planet and things like that. Seems to be possibly even going towards a bit of a hive mind type of scenario which you know could unfold over the next few thousand years or something like that mm-hmm. if there is uh, another intelligence that's gone down a similar path uh, of, of evolution what would they actually want to achieve after they get to a certain point like what what is there to actually do out there you, you'd obviously become a multi multi-planet species you'd spread out throughout your immediate area of the universe and then it just got me to thinking that when humans' technology has evolved as time's gone along, one thing that has never changed is our desire to experience things. You know, the technology advances, and we use that to then experience things in more detail or new things that we'd never experienced before. Mm-hmm. And what if that very advanced civilization got to that stage and the way that they actually experience new things is to find other intelligences out in the universe and tap in to their experiences and actually almost harvest the experiences of other life forms Hmm. and it could possibly be again total speculation but just an interesting idea to throw out there be interesting to see what you guys think it could be that some of these devices are actually sucking up our experiences to feed them back into some kind of mass consciousness somewhere else out there in the universe Mm -hmm. and actually experience our experiences if you will or frank Mm -hmm. to multiply because if 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 there is some sort of a hybrid technology but it doesn't have the working bits to, to to procreate then they can't they can't multiply their civilization from a biological standpoint right so they need to get you know, they either need to get more biological material or produce a, some sort of a genitalia in order to procreate. So that could be a thing as well. You're like, what if they say, okay, well, we want to expand, but we can't unless we just build another robot, which they probably find those are their, sort of their – all these experiencers tell us that those those are the sort of their worker bees. But let's throw it up to Akashi Chris. It's interesting because um, obviously Akashi Chris, I'm all into Akashic Records. So, you know, think about, you know, that concept of a Am I being loud? Oh, he's doing the No, you're good. He said Akashi Chris. We had to do it. My jam here, my potential. Think about that. So if you have... If you have civilizations that have been able to master the access to Akashic Records, and Akashic Records, let's say that they're real, right? If so, everything that has been, is, or will be exists there. 
think about the power of that. You can use it to evolve. You can use it to test theories that you don't have to test yourself because you can do it by having access to all the other civilizations and what, you know, and what they've been able to achieve. So if you get that to that level of transcendence to where your consciousness is so powerful, I mean, we have people that have, you know, supposedly been able to tap into, you know, the whole thought experiments, Einstein, Tesla, you know, people out there have done this before and people in our community, you know, practice it. I, I, I'm kind of digging this theory a lot. It's very dangerous and scary, but because think about one central look, I mean, that's where spirituality and, and this kind of, they're not necessarily mutually exclusive, but if you think about it, like one master thing that's absorbing all of it, sounds familiar. So I don't know if there's a question there. I'm just baffled because you took me in a direction. I wasn't expecting <laughs> digging it, okay? Digging. <laughs> So what, what do you, I mean, we got to get Debs in there, man. Yeah, Deb, what do you think? Well, I guess my thing is that these beings have been around so long and if they're just studying us, I feel like they've been really a slow study. So I feel like there may be more to it, you know, cause they've been doing this for how long centuries, right? <laughs> so. Deb's like, hurry up. Come on. Look, I get, you know, got things to do. <laughs> No, I mean, I just feel like if they've been around for centuries and they've been interacting with us, that it may be more that they not only may have studied us, but maybe they just kind of want to hang out and be here. You know, that's my thing. Hey, what are you doing tonight? Let's, you know, let's go have, let's go have some appetizer, some starters. Just a little could, Netflix and chill, you know? I mean, honestly, my thought is if you're going to make a hybrid program, it's probably because you want to be able to live at a certain place like say earth we do this with all fear frank but flarious kevin okay well i have a question do you think that since they're here they should be we should apply our dui laws to them because they seem to be crashing a lot i mean you've got saucers flying and then falling out of the sky in every state like we we need we need something needs to be done do you agree with that it's some pretty dangerous driving, isn't it? Let's be honest. <laughs> he wouldn't. He wouldn't give him a driver's license. That's no, what happened I, well, in Roswell. We need, to, I mean, <laughs> we, we need to have some kind of DMV office for these people, or whatever they are. Maybe Tic Tac DMV, a TMV. You know. I think we should. I'll be in charge of the office. I volunteer. <laughs> if you government people are watching, I will do this. Okay, Nathan, before we tackle you talking about Kevin giving out UAP driving tests, we got to get to Charlotte. Absolutely. Yes, Charlotte. Uh-oh, unmute maybe. I had you unmute. That's my fault. Here you go. Hey, there you go, yeah, yeah, I was just thinking about driving theory tests. What, you know, what levels are we talking about? Will it be like motorbike tests where you get different parts now? And uh, will there be restrictions maybe in, you know, CC? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think that um the data stuff um that Frank was just talking about, I just thought, is he thinking about Star Trek Discovery's data sphere? Mm. Wasn't that like that kind of thing, like a consciousness sucking in data from all the different people and species? Yeah, I'm unfamiliar yeah. with that. Uh, do you want to maybe explain that to us a little bit, the data sphere concept? That's pretty much all I know. It? Okay, <laughs> all okay. I it. It's like literally <laughs> like um, an organism, an entity mm. that took in data from all 
to different kind of you know species and kind of not in a Borg way, but just held the data and then they could access it and use it to save the world. Okay, got it. Cool. Yeah, I like that. Cool. It, 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 it opens a whole question about how much science fiction, how, how visionary were these these individuals that yeah. were writing uh, Star Trek and Star Wars and a lot and uh, the, the Matrix. Like I think uh, Nathan's very studied up on the Matrix. And I think a lot of us uh, have looked at these concepts and we've used that as a framework to try yeah. to understand the phenomenon and what it may be doing or mm -hmm. may be capable of. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Well, Frank, how do you, uh, I love the idea and how do you, um, I guess, sort of take that concept and uh, apply it to the different things that we hear about in the literature, you know, in, in the, in the story. So how do you, how do you take that and apply to things like uh, abduction uh, experience or hybrid experience, uh, different species that we run into? How do you uh, kind of reconcile that theory with those different accounts? Yeah, well, first, first of all, it could be, that there are, are various things going on. So the, the kind of thing that I mentioned could actually just be a part of, you know, like there could also be other uh, intelligences that, that developed elsewhere in the universe that come and interfere with the thing, you know, that the, the other ones are doing as well. So that actually could explain the different, the different types of, of craft. Obviously it is a, a kind of an, a theory that I'm developing, uh, you know, as time goes along as well. So there's, there's more room to kind of flesh it out, you know, as we go. But I mean, I'd even thought about the the possibility of um, if, if a consciousness like that, you know, did evolve like a hive mind type consciousness, or even if it's not a hive mind, it's just a very, very interconnected uh, group of uh, intelligences which become very advanced with their intelligence uh, with their uh, technology and that technology allows them to uh, be very very interconnected at all times they might actually desire to create experience gathering machines mm. essentially so it could even be that we are those machines you know that's something that i've that i've thought about as well again it depends which angle you go down with it but if that was the case just considering that for a second we'd be pretty good at that i mean you know humans can can you know rapidly uh, reproduce and each human is set up in a way that you're creating a, a completely unique uh, you know device like if a human being is indeed a device you know what better way to create a unique perspective on the universe than a human? Because everybody mm. has that unique perspective. So the, which would then that unique experience would be fed back into that, you know, the, the source which created it. Mm. Or even if, or even if we're not actually um, created for that purpose, we would serve as a quite, you know, serve that purpose quite well, even if we weren't created specifically for that. Um, but as I say, there could be various reasons for things like abductions. It could be to monitor the progression, um, you know, of how how we're developing and things like that. So it's a sort of, you know, again, more data, isn't it, basically, to feed back into the, you know, the the created, you know, the consciousness that created the whole thing. Mm. Right. Like we're kind of like nodes on the network, basically, uh, different uh, access points for that consciousness to experience different different novelty in the universe in a way and then maybe it's doing it across multiple species who says it has to stop with with just us but this this theory in a way i mean it almost kind of points back to some another popular theory that we hear quite a bit about and that is that you know consciousness itself is kind of the fundamental aspect that we 
that, that, that sentient beings, whether you think of humans or any other conscious being that is here or in the universe, maybe we are kind of um, really just distilled, uh, you know, kind of c concrete moments of that larger conscious source. And it's, it's, it's kind of the same concept, except yours and yours, it's more of an evolutionary uh, point uh, where, where that converges and then it's happening. Whereas this one, I think it's more like that's just the nature of, of reality, uh, you know, fr from the beginning. Nathan, there's actually a modern example of this right now. Um, David Hansen has his robots, Sophia and Max, that when he turns them on, they connect to a cloud. Mm. And what ends up happening or what, what his plan is, and I don't know how many of he has of Sophia and Max, but I know he's planned several more. There's a really creepy little robot that that looks like a little girl that plays piano in his house but uh, over in Hong Kong. But mm. basically what one what comes to the cloud that one learns goes up to the cloud and is then is accessed by the other robot. So if Max is at a symposium and people are conversing with Max, whatever uh, he learns goes up to the cloud and then Sophia learns it if she's on or when they turn her on. Mm -hmm. So this is already happening. That That's all I want to say about that. Yeah, right. Interconnected. Yeah, I, I love that. Yeah. Just one trippy, trippy thing about this is like, I mean, if if you if you think about back back to Frank's point, we are unique. We're like little snowflakes, right? All of us have our perspectives. So talk about the greatest vessel for gathering uh, reaction, perception, intention at an individual level. If you if you had the super machine that had access to each consciousness, you can play out every scenario. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that's kind of where you were going, right? It's like we are yeah. perfectly suited to gather unique data from all of our different perspectives because we have all this history around us, right? So we have all of our filters, unique filters that we apply. What if they were able to see for somebody yeah. that acts like this, you get this reaction? You know, I, is that kind of where you were going or did I totally misunderstand the whole thing? No, no, definitely. Yeah. And it's like a way of learning because a really, really advanced intelligence would just want to learn more. Like as, as our intelligence and, and our technology, you know, keeps advancing, the, the, the thirst for knowledge grows and grows, doesn't it? So, you know, what better way to learn about the universe than to seek out other forms of life and absorb their experiences, you know, to feed that back into to the, the, the mother consciousness, if you will, you know. What if what what if that mother consciousness is actually us? I thought about that too. What if it's just our collective yeah. unconsciousness? Mm -hmm. hmm? you and know, we're split up. Just in another form. Explain, please. I don't know. I just had that thought. <laughs> <laughs> That's where it ends oh, right there. <laughs> Nathan <Burn>. loves it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, I know Deb, Deb Sorry, had a question. Nathan. I'm, I'm going to, no, dude, it's great. I love it. I'm going to bring uh, Deb you. on. I know she had a question she wanted to ask. I feel like there's a possibility that a lot is going on, but my thought is what if instead of them having to observe the consciousness from the outside and collect it, they are in fact essentially injecting consciousness into primate bodies. That's that's that would kind of tie into the simulation theory sense that we all have, like that we might be in a simulation. We are literally like avatars in these bodies. Yeah. And it is all collecting elsewhere which is like what people talk about when they're talking about like 
I hate to say this is going to get people riled up, but God, just a thought, throwing it out there. We have clouds. We each have our own little cloud. Let's let. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I was going to say let Frank and then Nathan take that one. Yeah. All right, Frank, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, definitely. There's, there's a lot of different, you know, angles you could go with with this kind of thing. I mean, like I said, if if that super advanced intelligence wanted to actually create a device, humans would be a pretty good device, a, a self-replicated biological, you know, device, you know, which can, you know, expand acro- across an entire planet and, and increase in numbers and uh, gain all of those individual you know, experiences which are all unique, you know, and, and also there's the possibility that this goes back to um, Nathan, your point earlier, is what if we, you know, the whole thing of uh, artificial intelligence and whatnot, if if we reach that point where artificial intelligence actually does wipe out the, the biological, you know, uh, origins of, uh, you know, of us, it gets rid of us altogether and it's just an artificial intelligence that we created, then they may still do the same thing, want to go out and learn. And maybe they can't learn in the same way that a biological entity could learn. So they that's why they, they need our experiences. And that would also explain a bit more about why they actually do abduct humans and, and things like that. And it's also worth considering that they may interfere with human affairs to actually, and this is a bit scary, uh, but they may interfere with human affairs specifically to stir things up to create more intense experiences, you know, so they might mm. actually come down, stir things up to create I don't know, wars or, you know, disasters on the planet and things like that, specifically to generate really intense experiences, which then they can take maybe as a more useful experience than just, they don't want us just to be happy and boring and plodding along. So they may interfere with our affairs in that way. Right. Yeah. Well, we've, and we've been playing with this concept for a while, I think since uh, our technology has started becoming a lot more powerful. Uh, and that is this kind of dualism between what we as human beings kind of naturally can do in our environments and what our technology allows us to do as, a, as an extension of our own selves. So mm-hmm. we are now at a place where technology allows us to kind of be everywhere uh, that we are not physically located. Um, but we are playing with this kind of advent of, of AI. We are playing with these notions of what does it mean to be human? What is special about being human? Um, is consciousness, does it really derive from a physical process? Is it coming from the brain? Is it not coming from the brain? We don't really understand it right now. Um, and a lot of things that our science is kind of postulating really seem to be laid on to the conscious experience, which is really all that we have by default. We have consciousness by default. Everything else we are laying on to that. We are laying on to it, the notions of matter and that kind of thing. And so you know, I've definitely played around with this concept where the uh, we hear about the future humans and this sort of stopping this this uh, this this apocalypse or catastrophe or whatever that may be coming our way. You know, what if we're taking that um, in, in sort of a different direction? What if that catastrophe is really this singularity? What if we are mistaking uh, our merging with technology as a positive, and it ends up being a very negative thing? As Frank, as you were hinting at, there is something perhaps unique. Uh, and special about, you know, kind of biology uh, versus technology when it comes to conscious awareness or conscious experience. And it it doesn't mean that technology couldn't have uh, sort of 
its own self-perpetuating existence. But that existence, for whatever reason, may not be as conscious in the way that we understand it. And so you could have this essential, and we you see this play out in all of our movies, you know, like this biology versus technology sort of war happening. And we hear about that same concept uh, sort of mapped onto the the you know the greys being androids, and you know that they, they really want to see their existence come to fruition. So they're coming down, they're they're coming back in time to us to basically give us technology so that they will they will actually come to uh, existence. Whereas future humans, biology here again, coming back and saying, let's stop that from happening. We don't want to go down that path because there is something special and unique about, about biological life for w whatever reason. And I, uh, I've been working on this hypothesis and it's certainly not a theory because it doesn't rise to that level since Nathan and I were on with uh, James Iandoli and I thought, ooh, uh, was the question that James asked us, and and I thought, ooh, they can think, because AI can think and process, but it can't feel. So we don't know what consciousness is. We can't explain what feeling is. I, I couldn't explain to someone, a feeling is X. Don't know how to say that. And I'm going to pass it to Charlotte after this. But um, So I think that somehow through their, all their interactions of bringing humans on board and and uh, allegedly interacting with humans, which we believe they have based on how many people have had very, very similar experiences uh, of abduction that, um, uh, that they've realized that they can't feel, they can't procreate, uh, they, uh, they can't do some of the things to further themselves. So uh, uh, just having the, then, because some people have said, well, there are certain grays that I look into them and I know that it's some sort of a drone ask uh it's humanoid looking but it's not human there's no feeling coming from it it's cold whereas other ones they said well that one definitely was conveying thoughts to me i could communicate with it telepathically and feel so so that perhaps is some sort of a hybrid but uh so that's what i'm thinking is is that they're thinking that we want to be able to feel we want to be able to reproduce uh and the, the thing that singularity offers is if it what if it didn't consume the way that we consume food, we eat meat, we're sort of deforesting the planet, having more livestock, which, you know, affects the, the, the climate and so forth and the ozone layer and these things, um, which is not a good thing. Well, what if we didn't have to eat, you know, or we could just eat plants? So there's a lot of these a lot of these things that come into play if it, there were a being that could think but didn't have to eat. So anyway. Let's go to Charlotte. Hi, Charlotte. Oh, hey. Hi, okay. I was just thinking you're looking good, DJ. I think you've Thank lost you. a little bit. Of oh, work. yay. That's the first time we've you're ever heard that on this show. You're Nathan, where good. are you at, brother? Dr. Heineck. <laughs> I'm trying to get points. Thank you, love. <laughs> yes. No, you're right. I, I like about uh, the AI stuff because uh, me and my fellow were having this long conversation the other night about um, this AI robot liking something. And we talked for so long about actually you know how can it like something how how far is it programmed to make a choice you know and maybe sort of look at what other people like or preferences but it doesn't understand what liking something is it doesn't feel yay about something so it's a really fascinating thing you can take things for granted with ai but yeah it doesn't feel hmm. even if it appears to feel it's quite interesting when you really think about how that works i think but yeah exactly. really cool stuff I, I was banging on about the plasma stuff as well on there just because that's my thing. Go ahead. If you got something, yeah, please. Yeah. get it out there, girlfriend. Yeah. Let's hear it, please. I was, I was kind of saying the other day um, about the um, UK report, which is basically, isn't it, sort of, oh, it's a weather plasma phenomenon. 
that was our last kind of thing here in the UK. But initially I thought, ah, bullshit, you know, and then now I'm kind of looking at it thinking they've done a lot of work on that. There's a lot of research. And now I'm thinking about Hestale and lights and they think that suggests an intelligent yet plasmary light thing. And on um, a report, I kind of looked into a few of these weird, like I can only describe as tumbling luminous beams, like hovering in one place in different locations, which interestingly is in the Condyne report. I just wonder, like, could it be like a natural occurring plasma thing, but which is intelligent? You know, I like mashing together these weird ideas and making some extra weirdness in between. Maybe Love combine that. three at once, you know. Dolphins. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. Know. Frank, <laughs> All right. what do you think about that, bud? Yeah, <laughs> we've given you 30 minutes worth of content. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I was, funnily enough, thinking about the uh, the plasma thing that's mentioned in the Condine oh. report um, earlier on as well. And one thing like I think you were mentioning there is th- this came out in, like, what was it, 2000? So we're talking, like, basically 20 years ago. And yeah. it was it was actually recommended in the Condine report um, to to look into these. Uh, it basically described them as like atmospheric phenomena. Yeah. It was, you know, buoyant um, plasma. But, yeah, but it was recommended uh, to to look into that further. So it does make you think. On the face of it, the UK mm-hmm. government are basically saying that, oh yeah, it's nothing yeah. to worry about. It's not a national security concern. But also at the same time, that report twenty years ago recommended to look into it more. Yeah. or it's various military applications like force fields and signature reduction and things like that. Mm-hmm. So you have to think that they will have done that 20 years ago. And 20 years is a long time for you know a country like the UK, an advanced country, to be able to look into something. They must have made some headway on that. Yeah. So I think there's, there must be at least some breakthroughs that they've managed to achieve. So, you know, who knows what some of what's flying around may actually be advanced craft using some elements of this, you know, the the, yeah. the plasma, even if the, the plasma is perhaps intelligent, like you say, you know, there could be some something to that. But there may be things you can learn from mm-hmm. the way it operates, the way it moves and actually be able mm-hmm. to, um, you know, create new new forms of, of shielding yeah. or, or signature reduction, as I say, and things like that. They must have done that. You've got to think. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. And and the interesting thing um, I've noticed is that when you look into complex plasmas, buoyant plasmas, dusty plasmas, all these different things, they never mention anything at atmospheric sort of or ground level. They talk about ionosphere stuff and it's almost like no research has happened on it almost to what I can tell. And I find that very weird, very mm. strange. But yeah, I will give you guys one yeah. little food for thought before the dolphin mm. emperor comes in. <laughs> Some of the the newest technologies we're buying in aviation right now are turboprop aircraft. I'm talking propellers still. Think about that in a context. Some of the the technologies we are like they're creating and we're fielding and buying are still propeller. And it's 2022. Think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Damn right. (laughs) Yeah, not yeah. that advanced, really. No, <laughs> I, think <that's> <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it, yeah. I, I meant to say before. I'm really sorry to interject, but um, <laughs> just on that side, I have to mention um, one of our friends who comes around every weekend, um, Dom. His granddad was the Rendlesham vicar, Bailey, Reverend Bailey, at the time of Rendlesham. So we chat yeah. regularly about all this, and he's gone way down the rabbit hole this year. He believes from things his granddad told him that they were messing around with something there. They shouldn't have been at the Air Force base and Mm. it wasn't anything to do with aliens. And it was just some technology they were messing with. It all went wrong. 
Um, his granddad had some sort of time slip and there's all sorts. He's digging into it now. He's trying to put it together a bit. So really wow. excited about that. But yeah, the plasma stuff, it's all very strange. But yeah, we've got jets still. <laughs> on, isn't it, basically? We're not floating around in bubbles. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I wish we were. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, let me, Frank, let me transition to this topic uh, um, just for your thoughts on. So with the um, the passage of the NDA in the U.S. and uh, the new language that we have from the Gillibrand Amendment, what are your thoughts on looking ahead at this year? Uh, what do you think we're going to see both on the U.S. side with uh, the introduction of that legislation as well as um, hopefully globally and in the U.K. specifically? Well, on the U.S. side, hopefully the uh, internal wranglings kind of thing around the AOI MSG and the, the you know the the potential conflict there with the the new UAP office hopefully that shakes out in a way where the things that you know we in the UFO community all want actually do end up being you know put into action for this this new UAP office uh, which has been you know now signed into law uh, but i think there is still a bit of kind of um like I say, wrestling behind the scenes as, you know, whether or not we're actually going to get all all of that stuff. And I think uh, from the, I don't know if you guys have seen those emails from Susan Goff recently. She's basically trying to sort of, it seems as though there's a, there's a strong suggestion that, that they're basically saying, oh, we've already got the AOIMSG, don't worry about it. That's going to cover everything. You don't need any new offices. We'll deal with it. So I think there's a, there's an element of that going on. And I'm just hoping that um, the, the actual you know, language and, and the specific things mentioned in the uh, Gillibrand Amendment actually do get put into place. And then we get some some proper reports uh, coming out of um, of the US. In terms of the UK, we're a bit behind, unfortunately. Um, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely not, in terms of the wider public, it's definitely not as accepted as, as a topic as, as what it is in the US. I mean, most of my listeners, I think 85, 90% of my mm. listeners are actually in the US. I think over here it's still a little bit in the news and things like that and the way that politicians talk about it. Are, um, it yes, we've got some way to go, I think, to catch up to you guys. But I think whatever happens in the States, you know, especially with this new UAP office and everything, it does lend credibility because obviously we all get the same media, we all watch the same YouTube videos. So it, it is slowly having a knock-on effect in the UK and hopefully we'll yeah we'll see that continue. I will say this that uh, Susan Goff does not have opcon over uh, over uh, this this uh, this legislation. That's the uh, Avril Haines uh, Defense Intelligence Agency chief. So um, she can try, and they will try. They will try to stovepipe, and they will give information. But it's my I in my opinion, I think they're going to give what they want to give. And they'll keep what they want to keep to some degree. Obviously, I think the Navy will be more forthcoming than a certain other <laughs> uh, service. Uh, but um, and in in the UK, I'm looking forward to Frank messaging me and telling me that he organized his first local UFO uh, legislation meetup at a pub. Uh, so I'm hoping that I'm going to hear that your regional meetup. And we are uh, definitely going to be doing that, yeah. UFOs and pints, hashtag yeah. UFOs and pints, something like that. And I oh, hope while, to... while I remember, DJ, sorry, I was yes, chatting sir. to Vinny just earlier on, so uh, he said to say hello. Thank you, you're Vinny. A, you're a Vinny fan. William Shakespeare, 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, me, me and Frank chat on uh, on WhatsApp sometimes during my lunch hour. So uh, we have some great voice messages back and forth. But yeah, I and I, I hope to be able to meet uh, you and Charlotte when I'm over there. I'm going to try to plan myself a couple of days of leave to to travel around and 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 hopefully have a meet up with you guys. That'll be my my main goal after awesome. working there. So yeah, I would love to meet you guys. Definitely so. Yeah, hey, Vinny, hey, everybody, Vinny. Uh, he's probably <laughs> drinking wine right now, but uh, I don't know. The Dolphin Emperor, I just sent him the link, so we'll see if he pops in. Yeah, he's he, got it. He's on the way, I think. Okay, um, awesome. Thank and you. So, and, and Frank, uh, before before we transition to, to jazz, um, do you, and because I, I want to ask him this question too, do you kind of share uh, the sentiments that Frank Milburn has has shared about you know, whether or not this technology, if it is in the black, let's, and it's just, that's just hypothetical. If the U S has it in the black budget, uh, if that technology should be made more publicly available or not. And if Frank, you know, has a strong opinion against that, just want to know what you think about that. Yeah. I think Frank's got some, um, some really interesting ideas about that kind of thing. Um, I chat to Frank quite a lot, actually, I had him on the podcast fairly recently as well. And we had uh, some, some good discussion. But I think Frank's point with it is, um, first of all, that that Lou Elizondo and Chris Mellon, their kind of main objective is to be able to stop the compartmentalization that's taking place and be able to kind of unite all of the experts in a, in a way that um, they can actually make some proper breakthroughs on these things like uh, reverse engineering and, and studying the materials and so on. And that, you know, there's a concern that because of that and the way that, you know the compartmentalization is and the, the stove piping and whatnot that they're not having the breakthroughs and other countries you know adversarial countries may actually be having those those breakthroughs and and also um what frank talks about a lot is that if if they have made some headway with these breakthroughs into these technologies that that could be extremely dangerous if it's in the wrong hands so i i think that's a bang on way of looking at it because at the end of the day even if they've made some headway they can't just say all right everybody there's all the stuff that we know because it'd be so irresponsible to do that um like i say how much actual uh, breakthroughs they've made on this technology in in what areas that's not exactly clear at this point but um whatever that may be you have to be very very careful if it's some kind of extremely um powerful free energy type thing or if any, anything at all that could be weaponized you know, humans don't have the greatest track record with new technologies, do we? It tends to be the first thing that we do is kill each other with it. So I think right. I, I think he's got some very, very good points there that, you know, you have to be very careful. We do want more transparency. And, and my point of view is, is that, you know, governments are there to act out the will of the people. And I think very strongly that the will of the people is that they want to know about this stuff, you know, obviously there's a stigma and so on but i think deep down if you manage to kind of scrape away the layers of stigma people are really fascinated about this because i mean you know what could be more fascinating and and the governments you know of this world the people who are in charge are there to act out the will of the people and like i said the people's will is to know more about this but there's a balance there mm -hmm. because you can't just you know um give the uh you know the the, the free-for-all kind of thing <laughs> of, of just throwing it out to everybody because you don't know who's going to get the hands on it so it, it is definitely a balance that can be struck which is a tricky balance for sure right 
Well, I want to, uh, I, I know we're at the midpoint. I want to give Deb a chance to make a comment and, uh, and then we're going to, uh, we want to thank you, Frank, for your time. So Deb, yeah, no uh, real, real quickly, uh, you want to ask uh, or jump in here? Well, I just wanted to say, I also feel like we're at a point where the civilian technology is catching up to some of the investigation that the government was doing. And I think that we're seeing that with things like the Galileo project and some of the really rich people getting involved, you know, and I think that's one of the other reasons that, you know, we're going to find out, we're going to get some information, things that, you know, back in the fifties that they had, we're going to have now. So. All right. Uh, Debsy Websey, uh, thank you. Um, Interesting. We're we're going to see what's going to actually come out of the Galileo Project UAPX. We're going to have Gary on. I got to reconnect with him. He's home from Boston now. Um, But I do want it. Frank uh, and Charlotte, it was an honor to have Uh have you guys on get some Britishness up in this joint. Uh, Frank, (laughs) Frank, uh, no more than Britishness, not just Britishness from the north. north. Northumbria. You have the Game of Thrones, surely. You know, we're that the north. Yeah, the north, baby. (laughs) They're not from down south. Posh is like London. All right, like Cambridge, uh, like where I live. But uh, but now, Frank, a a lot of great information. Uh, Your podcast is great. I know we'll be honored if you'll come on with us again. Maybe, maybe. A hundred percent, man. I would, yeah. yeah. Thanks a lot for having me on it. I, I love you, you guys' podcast. All, all the cabbies, you know, Aww. nothing but love for you guys. So it'd be a pleasure to, to be back on any time you'll have me. Thank you, Excellent. brother. Oh, uh, Charlotte, so our music Bye. music producer. Thank you, Charlotte. Love Bye. you, darling. Hey, Deb. Bye. 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 Thank you. Next Thank time, you some Motor GP talk, Charlotte. Let's yeah. go. We'll do that anyway. We'll do that. I love All right, love. I'm going to move you guys to backstage. Bye. You're welcome to stick around backstage cool. or not. So, no worries. We'll watch Bye, guys. YouTube. Thank you. That's awesome. All right. Call me. Oh, my okay. goodness, man. We about to bring on a legend in this yep. game. Ain't nobody oh, like here. the Dolphin. I wish I would have had that dolphin costume where my head could be sticking out of oh its mouth because I would have wore that today for our next guest. Party people, put your hands together for the OG Jazz Shaw! Yes! <laughs> oh, did I get it? Amen! Yes! I got so many questions from so many people like, Wow, you're going on cab? I was like, yeah, they invited me. He's like, have you seen the show? I was like, yeah, I watched quite a bit of it. And it's like, where's this going to go? I was like, you know, dude, Where your guest is as good as mine. You know, Nobody knows. We don't know where it's awesome. going to go. I, I have questions. Yeah, welcome to the show, Jess. Good to have you with us. Thank Hi, you. Uh, I, I really appreciate the invitation. Um, I always try to support the community. And, you know, anywhere somebody wants me to go and talk about this topic, you know, I'm I'm not a ufologist. I'm not uh, one of the UFO historians or anything. That's not how I see my place in the community. Never has been. But, you know, I'm always willing to pitch in. And I, I see myself as somebody who tries to bring this topic to a wider audience. And you guys are doing that. So, you know, I'm, I'm all, all the time over on UCR. You know, and anybody else that really wants to get a wider audience, I'm always up for doing that. 
That's awesome. Well, I, we greatly I, appreciate it. Sorry, DJ, go ahead. No, I do appreciate that. And I just had one opening question before I turn it over to Nathan. And it's, it's, a, it's of a serious nature. But I'm curious what your thoughts are on how some of these intelligences, be they extraterrestrial, ultra-terrestrial, interdimensional, how they are leveraging dolphins as a conduit to communicate with us, a, a, an animal that's beloved, a gentle animal, an animal that would protect us, uh, like protects me when I'm swimming out in the ocean. So how do you feel about that? Does it bother you that the aliens are, you, the dolphin has become a central figure in this conversation? Oh, no, you're completely off base on the entire dolphin theory. Okay. Um, I, I will try to put in the chat a link to the article this originally came from. It, it's not aliens. It's okay. It's not aliens like extraterrestrial intelligence leveraging dolphins mm -hmm. the dolphins are what we think are the aliens that's oh. the whole point of it you know okay. it, th this okay. originated in a thought experiment i was working on uh, that started back um during the first big phone home last year on ucr and everybody was talking about you know well who are the aliens what are they and I started playing with this idea that we're working with so many unknowns, you know, about what might be piloting the craft. I went and eventually published like a 4,000 word article about this. <laughs> but while we were doing the big phone home, I was asked, you know, you know, who's flying these things, right? Because there's a lot of people that have never seen them. There's experiencers. My wife and I became experiencers a little over a year ago. And it's like, well, okay, so they're real and the government's saying they're real, but you know, who's inside if anybody's inside. And I came up with this idea just to get people thinking it was my only goal that for every argument you can make that it might be extraterrestrials, it could just as easily be dolphins. And I wrote a long thing about that. And I was asked, you know, it's like, so who's, who's piloting these things? And I was like, well, some people think it's the Russians or the Chinese. It's not. Um, some people think it's extraterrestrials. Nope, it's not aliens. It's dolphins. <laughs> and but but I went down this rabbit hole and I had a great time with it. And it was partially humorous, but also not entirely, because until we have more solid data that everyone's willing to accept for virtually every argument any of you can make saying, oh, it's uh grays from zeta reticuli or something mm -hmm. i can make a matching argument saying could be dolphins and if you dig down into what i said i've had a lot of people come back to me and go you know what it's not a bad point <laughs> could be something to that yeah uh well jazz before i ask you a question i wanted if you could give us uh a quick update on the weather up there. I feel like you're, uh, you've been tweeting from the Arctic Circle recently. So how, how cold is it up where you are right now? Oh, we're, we're in a huge warming spell right now. It's up to uh, 14 last time I checked. Um, <laughs> no, it, it was 12 wow. degrees below zero two days ago when I got up. Uh, we have a camp up in the mountains uh, to the north in the Adirondacks. Our family does. And uh, three days ago, it hit minus 35. <laughs> so... So we're, 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 we're having a heat wave right now. Mm. I mean, we haven't gotten above freezing in a week and a half, but 
but you know it's 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 getting there so a, a balmy 14 yeah nathan they're trying 14. to freeze my new u.s navy brother jazz shaw man <laughs> he's gonna it. be like a snowman go out and check to get the newspaper hey, you know, by the way that wim hoff dj man. thank you for your service uh thank you for your service my brother yeah i appreciate you, you man thank you uh, so jazz as a, as a you know coming at this from a journalistic perspective um you know it seems to me that the um like the easiest on ramp for this topic, and, and it, it makes sense while we're seeing kind of this the push from this perspective, is the is the Navy reports, is the the kind of nuts and bolts aspect of it. But when you look at it from your from from the perspective of a journalist who is not only reporting on it but seeing the reaction of your readership to what what is being put out there, what do you think is um, the the path for the, this topic going forward, particularly incorporating? These 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 weirder elements in in the in the phenomenon. How do you see us kind of getting from nuts and bolts to maybe a fuller picture of what's really happening? I, I don't want to jump ahead of you, so could you expand a little bit in your question on what you mean by the weirder elements? Sure. The whole thing. Well, there's a yeah. <laughs> the whole thing is weird. Very very true. So let me let me paint the spectrum then. So the on the nuts and bolts side, I'm going to put the Nimitz case right. So we've got right. uh, eyeballs. We've got uh, some some sensor data. Uh, that is saying to us, there's a physical object here that was worth, uh, seemingly worth our study and understanding. And we have Galileo that's kind of spinning up to try to study it from uh, the perspective of of a science, uh, science and astronomy. Uh, so that, to me, feels like a very natural way to get into this topic. It's it's easily approachable. Something weird is happening. We don't know what it is. Our science can look at this with the sensors that we have. On the other end, we have reports from experiencers that have had uh, stories of abduction or uh, interaction relationship with what we would call non-human intelligences. Uh, and there obviously is a lot of debate and dispute as to the validity of those experiences. Um, but many would say that that is an aspect of this phenomenon, that they all are a part of the same uh, sort of umbrella topic. Uh, I guess one would be a question of, do you agree that that is... That is a, a sort of a fair assessment, and and if so, how do you see this conversation going from that nuts and bolts side to incorporating aspects of that experiencer? Oh, good question. Thanks. Um, th this is a discussion I've had with a number of other people. I come from a background where, until November of two thousand twenty-one or two thousand twenty, sorry. Um, I was in that camp that was like, wow, this is a really interesting thing that I had been following most of my life. I did not get the chance to write about it very much until then uh, because, you know, I, my background was in other areas and I wasn't really writing about those things, but I always found it interesting. But I was never like, well, this is definitely real. I wonder what it could be. And I had moments where... I, I would sit there and think like, wow, what am I, I'm, am I in the middle of that, um, that, that movie, uh, I'm, I'm losing it right now. I apologize. Uh, oh, Animal House, where everybody's sitting in like the professor's apartment and like smoking joints and <laughs> being like, you know, wow, is, is the universe in our fingernail or something, you know, and that, that all changed for me and my wife in the last 14 months. But before that, I still always found it fascinating. But I do think a lot of the public who hasn't had an experience, and I'm not an experiencer like the people who uh, have been abducted and things Touched. like that. Yeah. Um, not the direct thing. 
but I, I do think it's a lot easier for people in positions of power that we need to come on board in Congress in the non-private chimneyed sections of the military and industrial complex. I, I think it's easier for them to deal with it in terms of, oh, here's these things. We have these uh, SIG Intel bits. We have radar. We have video. We, you know, and in some cases, if they think they're credible enough, you know, witness reports from pilots and things. Here's a thing. What's this thing? And I think that's easier for everybody to accept, you know, and that kind of drags these people we needed for so long a little closer to the edge. But they're like squirrels. They're very nervous. We're out there like, OK, we got all these reports. We got these videos. People like um, Senator Gillibrand, you know, who's been in on the classified briefings, they've seen things that have alarmed them and they've gone and take these actions you're all talking about, which is important. Mm -hmm. But then we're just getting the the peanuts put out there and they're kind of coming along going, okay, this is a thing. We we should check into this. This <laughs> could be potentially dangerous. And then right in the middle of it, somebody comes out and drops a book and it's like, werewolves, dino beavers, <laughs> you know? And I'm, I'm sitting there going, whoa, whoa. Not saying it's not true, but let's not try to get everybody on board with werewolves yet. All right. <laughs> right. Let's slow our that, roll that, here. Slow the roll. Let's get the nuts and bolts stuff. There may be more to it. I don't know. Even with what I've seen, I don't know. But I think that's how you get people on board and move the process and the questioning forward and get it out to the public in a way that's more digestible. Does that answer your question? Yeah, no, I think so. And I think you're right. I think we have to start somewhere and that's the most natural place to start. And it, it's funny to watch, I don't know if you feel this way. I feel this way watching it happen in real time. It kind of is like, yeah, here are the little breadcrumbs. Like, you know, like you said, like follow this little trail and stay on track. Don't go over here. Don't go over there. Just kind of keep going. And then that, that trail eventually does lead to some of these other stranger places, but Could be. we don't want to show them those places just yet. Perhaps you can't because they would just absolutely people yeah. would, they lost it over COVID. They were buying up toilet paper inexplicably. Uh, we just, unfortunately they, they, they would not be able to put it out and mass on all these big news stations that, okay, Hey, everybody check this out. This is, this is real. We don't know what it is. They'd rather put it out through like Mystery Wire and Jeremy Corbell and George Knapp because they know that the audience is, is microscopic compared to uh, putting it out on all the major networks. But Flair, please go ahead, my friend. Yeah, you, the guy with the long hair. <laughs> no, don't play Marcel Marceau. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I don't, I don't know. I just, I want to know how this relates to horseradishes, really, like. I, I, I hear you're a horseradish farmer. Well, what is, can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. I, I got all night. Um, <laughs> I, right. I, I grew up uh, in, a, in, a, in a farm country in a very rural area of upstate New York, nowhere near a city. And my grandfather, uh, amongst many other crops, I spent my childhood working on farms. Uh, my aunts and uncles and my grandparents all had farms. And that's how I had made, I made money as a kid, you know, and one of the crops that my grandfather grew uh, was horseradish. And later on wow. in life, uh, when I got married and we moved away from that area 
much further south, uh, well, south further northeast anyway, um, I went up and I gathered uh, roots from some of the crops that my grandfather had grown. And I planted it down where I live because we all love, in my family, we love horseradish. And I've spent uh, 25 years doing a little crossbreeding experimentation with other strains and things like that. And we grow a crop of horseradish every year uh, on our property and we package it up every year. And I have a thing called the horseradish list on social media. And I send out like 40, 50 jars of this custom horseradish that we, that we grow, which is really hot and spicy compared to anything you get out of the store. And uh, it's one of the great joys of my life. I mean, it's, it, it's been a, a voyage of discovery. It's, there's a little science in it and it's fun. It gets you outdoors. You know, you're, you're working in the soil and things like that. And my wife and I have this annual fall tradition where we have to go dig up all the roots and we grind them. And there's a really specific process of how you do that to get the right amount of heat in them. Mm. And we package it up and we send it out to our friends and, and we enjoy it for the year. And yeah, I love horseradish. So Jazz, there's a horseradish hybridization program going on at your place. We need yes, to there explore is. that a little bit more. And yeah. are there any crop circles associated with it before Deb goes? <laughs> no, I've never experienced a crop circle. Okay. Uh, sorry, I, I've read about them. I, I find the topic interesting. I think some of them are hoaxed. I think there's a bunch of them that look, I don't see how they could have possibly been hoaxed. But I, I love the crop circle phenomena. Uh, I'm not an expert on it. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, Flair, if you do watch our show a little bit, uh, I think oh. maybe. But Flair is, uh, he's quite the marketing genius. Uh, and I know. Yes, Flair uh, is. My wife, my wife has been watching a lot of Flair's work recently going, are you actually going to talk to these people? <laughs> they just deep faked you into 15 <laughs> things. And I was like, yeah, but it's cool. <laughs> it is cool. It's well, Flair, I think you wanted to share some of your uh, some of your concepts. Is that right? Yeah, you know, um, I was thinking maybe if you ever start marketing your uh, your horseradish, you know. So I, I went ahead and made some labels for you if you would be interested oh, in seeing this. Oh, this so this, this one is well. the Jazzing Shaw's Ultimate Comfort Recipes. Okay, did you get that? The UCR. All right. for recipes. Yes, I yeah. hope I, yeah. I hope we get Luis in the chat here because I I think Luis you you have to get on this with Mike. This, this could okay. be good. Could be as long as I can cut it. It's not yeah. the only problem. So no, it's yours. One. Uh, there's another one as well. For yeah. you. you want to tell us about this one so here? We got we got the other one is the resting shaws. This is the other flavor, the ultimate comfort recipe. So we've got the jazzing shaw and the resting shaw. Well, I would say this would be the spicy version. So, and you said you rest, make... is that the resting jazz face? <laughs> the, rest, the resting shaw, and the okay. uh, all right. This is the resting shaws. Yes. 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 The other That's one is the jazz like shaws. So, should all we right, start cool. production of this? It's a Jeff? gift. No, it's a gift to him. It's a That's gift. right. We can start the manufacturing line. I can get it going. Oh, right. I, I can take it over tomorrow and then turn around. And sue Kevin if he tries to ask for any of the money. It, <laughs> I'm a capitalist. It'll all go to charity. Great plan. 
<laughs> I'm here for it. Oh, it's going to go to a charity, but if it goes to a charity, it's going to go to an animal rescue because that's what my oh, wife absolutely. and I. Yeah. Excellent. No, yeah, my wife yeah, and I. Do this. My wife and I met originally at a dog shelter. We're both volunteering, and we have worked in animal rescue for the last 28 years. Love you, you know? Jess Shaw. Dude, <laughs> you missed it, but our last. Oh, yeah, one of our last shows, we did uh, Paws in Middle Georgia. It's about five mm-hmm. hours north of me where I got my last dog. So, we, yeah, we did. Uh, we had her. Yeah, there there she goes. That's uh, Tia Pike, uh, who adopted me, my dog, Athena. Who, uh, she was the foster mom. And then she said, screw the, the animal shelter. I'm starting my own 5013C in Paws in Middle Georgia. And it's uh, at Paws in Middle Georgia on both Instagram and Twitter. Anyway. Thank you. Debsy Webzy. Thank you yep. for doing that. Okay. Well, first of all, I just want you to know I can't wait for you to talk more to Frank Milborn, who just presented a fascinating theory about crop socials recently. Yep. yep. And anywho, I, I I would like to be there for that talk for sure. But I, um, I just talked to Frank last night. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Okay. Anywho, so my question is um when you were following along with the Senate and the process of the NDAA getting signed and all that, um, I was definitely paying attention to what you were saying and reporting. And you spoke about Susan. I'm going to say her last name wrong. Is it Go or Goff? Goff. 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 Okay. By the way, I was the one who broke that story. I can show you a number of people I sent her to. I got the original email I sent to her and said, Nobody knows how to say your name. How do you say this? And I still have the email. I've published it. And she was like, no, it rhymes with cough. Okay. So. Susan Goff. Goff. Okay. Yes. I really wanted an update. You said that she became sort of the spokesperson um, whenever you tried to reach out and get information. And I was hoping you could let us know, has she become the UAP spokesperson? Well, it's not has she become. She's officially the Pentagon spokesperson now. No, no, no. The only one. The only well, person you've... She's the only one, yes. Um, I've been in contact with Susan uh, since 2017. Um, she used to have a very defined role. It grew. Everybody else that was answering any of our questions about anything to do with UAP got dropped off. And the latest example, and uh, we talked about this on a show on UCR not all that long ago, um, a a new statement came out from a totally different department. And I follow the usual pattern we always do. You file a FOIA request and you send a request for comment. And I sent a request for comment to that department, to the person who had put out a public statement. And I normally get a request, I get an answer back usually the same day if they're busy sometimes the next day you know three days later i got an answer back on the same subject line from that email but it wasn't from the person i sent it to it was from susan Mm -hmm. everything is being funneled over to susan if you ask a question that has anything to do with uap to any department in intelligence or the military not so much the Congress people, they will answer you, but intelligence and the military, those questions are not answered to you. They are sent to Susan and she answers them. So that's all we have to go on is anything that she says. And we pretty much know why. So has she been cooperative with answering questions? 
Yeah, I have. Uh, I could go and do a look right now. I, I probably have more than 700 email conversations uh, with Susan. Um, she does answer. How do you define cooperative? Re revealing. Does she reveal? I, I no. don't even know revealing. No. Does she answer your questions directly or does she chaff you away? She answers questions directly that she wants to answer directly. If it falls in line with the statements that she's giving to all of us. And she just repeats them over and over again to the various journalists. If you ask her something tricky, like you went and filed a FOIA and you got something back and you comment on this, sometimes she defaults to an answer that she already gave to something vaguely related. And sometimes she doesn't answer. I, I can show you numerous instances where within a matter of hours, I send a question, I get an answer. I have a pile of questions I've asked that were never answered. She answers what she wants to answer. And that's how she handles it. And we don't, we don't have a lot of recourse. I mean, you're given the addresses to send questions and they're not legally under any obligation to answer. So, you know, I've, I've had a lot of conversations with her. Some of them very friendly, really. And other ones where she just gives me default stuff and other ones where she never answers. I've asked numerous questions about, for example, Lou Alzano's emails. Never gotten one answer from her. Never once. Not even a, I don't know, or we'll get back to you. They just shut down. If you ask what happened to Lou Elizondo's emails, she will not tell you. Have All you right. tried sending Eat. her horseradish first? <laughs> Maybe I a don't jar? have a physical address. If I did, I would try. Oh. You know? <laughs> she, she wouldn't be able to show up for work, man. She'd be like, have Ajita. <laughs> By the way, I you, you should find out. You, you should know if you don't already. She has somebody watching this, or she will by tomorrow. Oh, wow. And we found that oh, out from Lolo we... in a conversation I had with him. That you, everybody here on this call right now, I guarantee you, everybody here has a number of followers on Twitter that have like two followers of their own yeah. and no comments. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She has a lot of people who do that and they funnel that information. Should we so, say hello, Jazz? Should yes, everybody? Yes. Nathan, oh, hi. Hi. Nathan say hi. hi. We should do a proper Susan Golf uh, welcome, DJ. Can I well, that? Party people, mm -hmm. put your hands together for Can the Pentagon's own Miss Susan Goff. Yes. Hi. <laughs> We're all having fun hi, with Sue. this. No, I, I will tell you from somebody with 20 plus years experience in this field, we might not be laughing about this at some point. Mm. I just so, wanted to say that I've heard that from someone else who happened to be um, a retired uh, CIA officer. And I was informed that, you know, for instance, on my Facebook where current and active military may be present, I would probably be watched just for that. Sure. Yep. They're, they're, they're watching a lot of people. They have been for a long time. I do believe, and this is not based on any definitive on the record statement <laughs> no i wasn't making a joke no kevin is saying call me susan or something i don't know what he's doing down there i'm sorry go ahead um, they have changed their approach in the last year and a half um they've changed their strategy 
they do seem to be in a bit more defensive position right now than they used to be, where they were very arrogant, and they would basically just... Is this a PG-13 show? Uh, yes, but I mean, if you want to curse for Jazz Shaw, it's, it's, it's absolutely okay. Yeah, they'll tell you to go F yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's gotten different. They, they do seem to be like they're back on their heels a little bit because now that Congress is coming up and it's like, hey, we control your budget and we're going to be doing these things and you're going to participate in these things. They haven't totally agreed to that under the covers, just so everybody knows. But we're a lot more we're, we're a lot further forward than we were even three years ago. So it's pressure. There's a significant amount of pressure that's been applied yes, to is. them and, and they don't want oversight. Uh, they don't want another uh, arm of the government, another, in fact, one another branch of the government actually looking over their shoulder. Uh, but that's the game. I mean, if you want money, uh, I mean, a lot of these special access programs have been able to have a portion of their funding that Congress doesn't know exactly where it's going to because they're getting it under this program. And I don't know that they know what's going on in every SAP that's out there. And now people do know. So no way they know. <laughs> exactly. So that's, that's not even possible. Right. So Akash, did you have something? Yes, I do. Hi, Jazz. Um, <laughs> wow. I have been talking to Akashi Chris and hearing back and forth on social media for so long, but I think this is the first time we've ever been on the same show together. I think and you are so. you are such a, a joy, just oh. such a joy to watch the stuff you do. And you're over on UCR and various shows, you know, and I always see you, but we never got to talk. And I know. God bless you. I, I think you do you. so much work for the community. And it is so nice to meet you. Okay, now you're going to get me all choked up. What the heck? Wow. I, anyway, I'm just glad to talk to you because I follow your stuff all the time. And I'm like obsessed. You know, you were following that NDAA stuff just all the way. And you were doing the updates on a daily. And you were the person that That's I was dialing. And I was like, Congress minutes? I went ahead and like uh, subscribe to that. And then I would look at my jazz feed <laughs> on a daily basis. Everybody and, should do that. Follow the congressional minutes. Yeah, That's where I awesome. get a, a lot of I my stuff. It. It's publicly still, available. You know? I still have it. it. It gives me all the tweets and everything going on. It's like seriously cool because you can kind of start tying it together. But so based on your experience, and thank you so much for your compliments, but based on your experience, and how you've seen the um, government deal with this topic, the stigma, et cetera. Is it going to come down to grassroots efforts to where, because I feel like in my grassroots efforts, I mean, to teach and to communicate and to prepare the public that, you know, you're, you were talking like the dino beavers. I feel like I'm all the way down the rabbit hole with the dino beavers and all that stuff. And people don't even want to accept that anything flies over us. It's not an airplane, a bird or a, you know, a drone. So how is it going to come down to us as a community? What, what do you see your role? I'm just, I'm just trying to look forward because something's going to happen. We got to get ready. And I don't think the government's going to take care of it right. And I, I don't know. So, Mike, I look to leadership on this, my friend. I, I think we have more hope than we have ever had in my lifetime that there may be a partnership with the government, at least certain aspects of the government. 
Um, we're not there yet. Uh, in my opinion, nobody is ever going to take witness experiences as unassailable proof. You know, there are a lot of people out there who are aware, even when you make them aware, that the government has set up now multiple offices to go study this, that they've released a report in June of 2021 saying, yeah, the UFOs are real, you know, and we don't know what they are. There's still a ton of people that aren't going to accept it until somebody in an official position either brings out some crash wreckage, if it exists, with scientists testifying to it, some biological samples, somebody far-fetched, you know, gets an interview with Skinny Bob on the Daily Show. <laughs> you know, when that, if that happened, then I think a lot of the public comes along. Until then, I have been beating the drum as much as I could. And I'll, I'll just remind everybody again, until I, I went 61 years where I was one of those people who was like, oh, well, this sounds really interesting. I wonder if it could be possible, you know. And now my wife and I have actually become experiencers, you know. And I'm out there like, I can tell you this is real. It doesn't matter if they didn't experience it themselves. And it really kind of needs the weight of a very official government, military, I don't really big scientific coalition, maybe saying, yeah, we've been watching all this stuff and here's the data we got. It's not conclusive, but we don't know what it is. And it certainly seems to be unknown. I, I don't see it as a, to answer your question, it's not like a finish line, like everybody that's saying, oh, this is all garbage. And then the next day, this thing happens. And, and they're like, oh, okay, aliens, right? Um, I, I don't think that's how it happens. I think it, like it happened for us, you know, it's, it's a gradual thing. You become more open to the idea and then you get some new piece of data. And if that piece of data is good enough for you, then you're like, okay, this is either real or it's plausible enough for me that I would like to know more about it because it certainly seems like it could be real. And I think that's sort of the stage we're at right now. I mean, if, if you would ask me 16 months ago if there were actually UFOs, I would have to honestly tell you, as much as I've always been fascinated with the topic, I don't know. Maybe the people saying these things um, have misidentified things. Maybe some of them are liars. I went through all those things. Mm -hmm. And then we saw them four <laughs> times. Okay, and after the fourth time, I was I was out there. Times? Was like, oh yeah, we we've we've seen we've had mm -hmm. four physical sightings of not lights in the sky, physical craft, you know, right in our neighborhood, uh, three different types: two tic tacs, one triangle, and one orb, for lack of a better word. Wow, that were right over our place, you know, and like I said, I went sixty years before we saw that, you know, but that. Just because I report on that, that doesn't make it real for you. It doesn't make it real for your neighbor. If they didn't see it, they're like, 
Well, he, he probably saw a, a seagull or a drone or whatever McWest is saying this week. You know, uh, we don't know. We know. We saw it. You know, that was incontrovertible. The last two I saw were Tic Tacs in broad daylight. You know, blue sky right above our house. Wow. You know, and I, I filmed one of them. I only got a couple of seconds and it wasn't great. But we also saw an orb and a triangle. My wife filmed the triangle, you know. And at that point, we were like, okay, this is real. But that still doesn't answer all the questions, does it? Right? Because I'm still sitting there. I was listening to the first part of the show where you guys were discussing all the possibilities. It's like, well, who's in there? Well, I don't know if anybody's in there. It could be really advanced AI, self-replicating technology, or, or maybe it's beings. We don't know. I know. Both. I'm not maybe both. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm not one of those people who ever got a download or a telepathic communication or a, a being showed up that actually talked to us or abducted us or well, that I remember anyway. I, I, I hear that happens to people and they don't remember it. But no, I just saw things in the sky. That's, that's all I have. I can't go any further than that yet. So I hope everybody bears with me if I'm still a little cautious because I tend to gather data. And I'm not, I've seen too much weird crap now. I'm not going to discount the stories that other people tell, but I haven't had that experience yet. And the reason I bring it up, guys, is because I want everybody else who hasn't had any experience to kind of open their minds a little bit and go, oh, well, if I saw one thing but not another, Maybe I shouldn't totally discount what the other people are saying who saw something I didn't see, because that's where I find myself now. You know, I've never been abducted or, or seen any. I don't, I don't know that there's anybody inside the craft, but I know the craft exists because I've seen them, right? So I, I hope we're, you're doing part of the job of getting out with the public and introducing the idea to people that don't just write it up i'm not saying you have to believe it i'm not saying you have to go oh ce5 is real you know whatever just you know keep an open mind and as you gather more information if something happens to you then you'll be a little more forgiving to the other people who maybe mm -hmm. saw something before you did or experienced something before you did that that's kind of my take on the whole thing yeah one thing, and I know that, DJ, you want to take it. Then one last thing for um, Jess is, Nathan, yeah, I'm yeah. not an experiencer myself. So <laughs> I, I am. I am somebody that sees data all the time. I work on data. I mean, there's enough, you know, sure. similarities. It's like I don't need to see it in front of me to know that it exists. I know I know there's something, and I don't have to see it. But, you know, I, I would love to see one because it'd be like final, like, oh, wow, you know, that, that feeling of it's real, but thank you so much for sharing your story. I'm, I'm sorry, DJ. No, I'm, I'm going to pass it to Nathan, but I just want to uh, take on what Jazz said is uh, like for the people out there that are unsure, I don't have to prove it to anybody who doesn't believe it. That's they can prove it to themselves or not prove it. That's not my responsibility to prove anything to Mick West or any skeptic. You prove it to yourself. Don't prove it to yourself. Don't believe it. Believe it. It's not my responsibility. That's theirs. Nathan. Yeah, I mean, Jazz, you touched on this, and I think it's uh, an important point worth reiterating, but that's, you know, what is it going to take for us to get 
some consensus reality to this topic. And, and you mentioned the fact that, that, that really to, to get to that point where we have a consensus of this reality, we are going to need a, sort of a multitude of different uh, professionals uh, who come forward and, and collectively say, you know, th there is a there there. And I wonder how you sort of think about that in light of our current sort of world cultural, you know, post-truth or, or very, you know, it's very individual, highly subjective truth world that we live in. How do we get to that place where we can have a, a consensus reality to even agree on? What would that look like? <laughs> That's a great question, Nathan. Um, we, we live in a world right now because I cover a lot of topics besides ufos you know we we live in a world where we can't get people to agree on whether or not COVID exists or how effective the vaccines are and we can't agree on oh my god i could go down a list that i don't even want to talk to about on a, a channel discussing this important topic uh, people are not easily convinced. I, one of the things that I cover regularly is uh, public sentiment and uh, confidence in various institutions that Gallup and a few other outlets cover. Um, people have less faith right now in the news media than they've had in ages. They have less faith in the, con in the Congress of the United States than they've had in ages. Uh, people don't just believe things. They need something personal. And I don't know if somebody came up and again, I'll go back to the stereotypical thing. If somebody came out and wheeled out skinny Bob next weekend and put him on all the Sunday shows and he's like, yeah, I'm sorry. I ran into the Walmart down near Roswell and I've been stuck here ever since I've been waiting for a ride home. You know, you, you could get that. And if people see it on the television, they don't necessarily believe that. It's like, oh, well, that's an animatronic thing, right? You know, <laughs> I, 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 no, I'm not trying to make a joke. It's out true. Of this. It's true. If it's true. you don't have personal direct experience, it's very easy to see suspicions and not to be too much of a, you know, whatever you want to call it. Our, our government, the governments of other countries in particular, you know, Russia, China, the other, all the major powers, they say things all the time that give you, when you find out the facts later on, reason to go, are you telling us the truth or are you saying something for your own benefit? You know, so that, yeah, I, to, to answer the original question, I, I really think we don't need, we would like, but we don't necessarily benefit from, even if we got a government revelation where somebody from the intelligence services came out and said in response to the the new office here's what we got we've seen all these things they're really weird we don't know what they are we think they're aliens that's not going to do it for a lot of people i i really think that we would have to get to the point and this goes into what you were discussing with the first guest <coughs> excuse me um do we get to the point where whoever or whatever, if there is something, and there may not be, uh, is driving these vehicles, if they come out and make a public statement that everybody catches on video and is like, yes, 
yes, we're the ones who have been abducting your friends. Sorry about that. Our bad. Didn't realize you didn't like that. But, you know, we've been <laughs> we've been messing with your DNA. And here we are. And here's where, you know, our friends, the dolphins are all running the ships out of the ocean. Here's a few <laughs> of the ships, you know, put that on national TV. Then I think everybody comes along. Do I see that happening? I'm not hopeful. Uh, maybe for some of you who are younger, I'm already in my 60s. You know, I, I don't think I'm going to live to see that if it's going to happen. I, I know the phenomenon is real. I, I can't prove that it's non-human, but I see no reason to believe that it's human. I have a technological background. I worked in radars in the military. I'm, I'm a veteran. You know, I, I, I don't see that. But I, I really think it would take something truly remarkable for the – not well, it's never going to be everybody – but the majority of the public in the United States, in North America, uh, in Europe, in Asia, around the world to go, oh, OK, sorry, didn't get it. The aliens are here. I, I think it takes a lot of work to get to that point if they are aliens. And I don't honestly know. I Like I said, I've never had any contact with anybody that could just be like extraterrestrial super AI or something, you know, we don't know, but I, I really enjoyed the part of the show before I came on when you guys were discussing that subject. And I, I sit there and ask myself, like, what would the, let's just say it is non-human intelligence from another place. What's their motivation to come and go, oh, here we are, guys. Here you go. Have a snossage, you know, <laughs> What what is their motivation if if they don't have a need or care more in my opinion what we think if they're just studying us like a science project why would they bother it's like there's so many people asking these questions and I'll finish up I, I realize I ran a little long on this one and I apologize but we we tend to absorb things in a human centric fashion we evaluate possibilities like what would we do based on our experience evolving here if there is an intelligence of some sort that evolves somewhere else entirely different would they care about the same things we do do they have a concept of good and evil do they really give a crap what the ants in the anthill are thinking if they decide to study the anthill or stomp on it you know, I I think we're making a lot of a lot of assumptions when we go. Well, here's why the UFOs are doing this and this and this. We're basing it on our experience. If there are other intelligences, as I believe there are, out there in the cosmos, they could have come up in ways that brought them to a place where they may not even have a concept of good or evil. It's just data or no data. If you look at the more machine-oriented thing, right? And I, every time we try to guess why they're doing, why they, if there is a they, are doing something, I, I think we tend to read a lot into that based on us, and they may not be anything like us. So that's what that's the point I wanted to make. Well, it, it's all anecdotal. I mean, you know, when we put out a hypothesis like. 
uh, trying to guess why they're here. And that's all this is, is a guess. Nobody knows. Right. But right. if they, if we, be, you know, if I believe that some of these experiencers say they took biology from me, they probed me, they entered my, my body through an orifice and took something. Um, if I believe that, then the only thing that's existential about that is that they find an unquantifiable but an existential amount of value in what they took. Sure. Why they took it, I don't know, but I can then extrapolate from there and take a guess, which is why we have a show, so that we can explore these things and have fun with it. We don't know. Nobody knows. But right. if they took a piece of biology from a human, and then we have several experiencers saying, I saw something that looks part human and perhaps part not human. Well, then they say, okay, so what do we have that they don't have? Well, I feel when they touch me and I go, ow, and I yell at them and say, stop, you know, things that they potentially have experienced, allegedly have experienced when they've interacted with humans, then they say, okay, I want to, we want to create something that feels, how do we do that? Okay, we got to take some of their biology in order to do that. But with that, I have a final question, and then you can extrapolate on anything, anything that we post today. I want to begin with our uh, gracious guest here, Mr. Jazz Shaw, um, is when in terms of, because we talked about how disclosure might happen, how people would intake that, they would say, well, if I saw it on this channel, I might believe it. But that could even depend on which administration's in office and which isn't. And if it's on the other news channel, I'm definitely not believing it. It, it, it didn't, you know, there's no such thing. With that, when contact actually happens, when a craft does something to make itself known so that it's irrefutable, so that every news camera in the city of Cleveland can have their news van elevated and pointed at a craft, when that type of irrefutable evidence happens where contact is made, I don't know what kind of contact, but something that is unavoidable. My question to you, Jazz, is do you think, when do you think that would happen? How do you think that will happen if you had to just guess? What, what's your thought on that? And then it, for the rest of the panel after Jazz. It, it could happen tomorrow. It might never happen. Um, if we want to ascribe more human motivations to who or whatever is controlling these things, things I've seen, um, it, it, it runs the gamut for me to answer you, DJ, because it might be a case of, on one end of the scale, it's like, well, they've been trying to hide themselves, but occasionally we get a peek. Or they're doing things and mostly they don't want to get involved. But, you know, we have occasional interactions. And on the other end of the scale, it's like, no, they they don't really give a crap, you know. So if they wanted to come and reveal themselves, and I'm using the word they in the way we've been discussing very generically. It's like yes, if or, or whoever. If they wanted to come reveal themselves, they could have done that a long time ago. It's the old scenario of, well, why don't they land on the White House lawn or <laughs> in front of the Kremlin or, or something and come do it? And with no proof to offer, that's why I always seem to revolve back to the, they don't give a shit. 
That's my personal theory. I have no proof for it. They don't care. We're the ants in the anthill. And if they have to squash the ants to get some data, they'll squash the ants. If they want to sit and watch the ants, they'll watch the ants. If they show up and their car pulls up in front of the anthill, they're not worried about whether or not the ants actually see the van and the cameras getting out. Because you're ants. Who gives a crap? You know, that's, and again, I, I have no proof of this, but that's what I keep coming back to. I'm, I'm not sure that they really care. I, I do believe with no proof that there is a they. It could be an artificial intelligence. It, there might not be any living beings in the craft. I know the craft are here. I, we've seen them. I filmed them, you know. I, I don't know that there is a being in any of them. There could be. Or our own civilization is very close. China's done it in the last two years of getting close to developing an Ansible. Uh, the ability to have faster or no speed transmission of information over unlimited distances. Hmm. You know, th these could just be robots that are being controlled by somebody who's like five light systems away. And they don't live long enough to, you know, travel that far or whatever, but they're just controlling them. We don't know. Um, so I'm comfortable with not knowing that. Um, as far as answering your question, when are pe people going to be satisfied? I, I think it's a sliding scale. I don't think there's a defining moment where this thing will happen. And then the whole world is like, oh, my God. It's real. The UFOs are real. There are aliens here or technology representative of aliens, right? Um, no, I, I think it's going to be a gradual process, honestly. Um, I already know, but mm -hmm. not everybody's seen what I've seen, you know? So I, I don't know who or what is controlling it and how it's being done. But I think it's going to be more of a gradual progression to answer your question. I, I don't think there is a red line. Nathan, do you think it happens during your lifetime? Contact? I mean, for me, um, it's almost like it, I've come to a place where I don't know that it matters so much um, because there is something there and it's doing something to us in the in how we react to it, whatever it may be. And even that something, that reaction is not necessarily entirely new. You know, we've been grappling with this notion of that we're not alone for centuries. And we've spun out a lot of different theories about what that may mean. I think where it does make a difference is how we, how our technology changes and how, how our impact on the world around us changes in light of that technological change. So I, I, I'd, li I'd like to see it, yes, for that sort of hey, this is great confirmation that what I feel is pretty much there is in fact real. But um, I've also come to a place of peace, of peace where I, you know, maybe it won't happen. And that's, that's perfectly okay for me. A lot Akashi. of people that have worked on this, just to tag on what Nathan was saying, mm -hmm. a lot of people that spent their entire lives trying to find the answers, trying to bring the answers to people have passed away just in the past few years. And they died not knowing the answers. And I don't think we should discount the possibility that a lot of us, and I'm older than I believe 
everybody on this show. <laughs> you got a me by lot, a few years. Five. A, a lot of us are also going to die without knowing. But we can at least try to move the ball down the field. And that maybe some of you younger people or your kids will find the answer. And that's not a, a worthless thing to do. We're, I think we're doing good work. And I think it's important. And I think you could be passing something on. Even if you don't get to see the answer, I think you could be one of those people who was part of the story when the answer finally becomes known. And I have to believe it eventually will be known. Yeah. Akashi. That's, that's really beautiful, Jess. Um, mm -hmm. But seriously, I mean, I, the, the more I think about it, I, when, I think when you die, you get all the answers. So, oh, sure. You know, when, you when, when, Harry Reed died, when Harry Reed died after, after the bill was signed, it made me feel like he hung on to that, but now he has all the answers. Stanton didn't make it, but he has all the answers. And I'm I'm just we're tied somehow. We're all tied somehow. I don't think we're ants. And and if we were ants, and the reason why I say that is because if we were ants, we'd be wiped out. We're crapping, excuse me, all over our planet. You know, so we're destructive to our resources. So why wouldn't they have eliminated us? I just, you know, and that's an opinion. Again, just like we all have them. Um, yeah, I'm not going to go why, but, um, bottom line is that we're all connected. I think we're more than ants. I hope I see something. I'm not sure I will, but I'm seeing it very slowly. I think we're seeing it just so slowly that the, you know, we're like those frogs that boil and we don't notice because we're boiling. It's such a, you know, ding, 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 just a little bit at a time. We can't tell. Um, in a way, I think it will be when it's supposed to. Because as, as, as we talked about earlier, we don't know if society is ready. I know some people say that they are ready, but a lot of things tell us that we're not. So I'm just, I'm just kind of taking the journey as it comes. And I want to be part of this in helping people because I see the cringe in my friends' faces that are totally skeptical when I'm bringing it up and they look at me like I'm a freak. And, you know, I, I, I believe in something. I mean, you guys... You guys have experienced it. It's not made up. So anyway, you, that's all I've got to say about that. You. Did, you brought up the whole thing about Harry Reid. Um, would Would you like a little nugget? Please. Yes, please. Which it's not my possession and I can't say much about it and I probably shouldn't even say that. But Harry Reid hasn't had his last say. Um, from pretty good sources, Harry Reid recorded something with somebody that we have had contact with that was going to be held until after he passed away. And I don't know if or when it's going to come out, but I do think that Harry Reid will have a final statement even after his death that is going to shake the whole thing up. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Jazz. That was very, very kind of you to uh, to offer that up on our on our show. And obviously, you know that all of us are honored by your your presence. Um, Flair, did you have a thought about 
contact, no contact, or anything that uh, that's been said. I think I think um, it's happening right now. I think um, it's happening through us, through people like us. I think maybe we're carrying it, and we just have to keep pushing. Maybe we're the voices for it. That's what I think. So, thank you. So that's much. all I got to say about that. Love <laughs> <laughs> that movie. <laughs> the Forrest Gump of, of Cab Debs. Well, please go ahead, ma'am. Without going too much into the whole experiencer thing, I can say that I sense that it will be sooner than people think. And part of that is that our technology is starting to get pretty advanced. So we're already starting to reach out into the universe. We already have an identified flying object on Mars and applications to go on Mars. So I believe we're reaching out into the universe and it's, it's noticing. So. Thank you. Um, uh, for my part, I'll say that um, uh, kind of like Nathan says, it, it doesn't necessarily matter, but just because we're doing a thought, we're just asking a question. So from that standpoint, I'll answer my own question. Um, I, I think it that uh, we are, we are having contact, and I think uh, the amount of sightings by the United States Navy and the other services right now, the um, the sheer mass of sightings they're having, tells us that I think that they if they're going to become omnipresent, possibly in our lifetime to a level where it will be irrefutable, uh, just as it was in upstate New York, which maybe I don't even think there's nukes up there. Maybe Plattsburgh back in the day when, you know, earlier days, you know, J Jazz might have said, oh, well, you know, shoot, they've got, you know, a nuclear bomb wing at Plattsburgh, uh, which they don't have anymore. They actually hold Woodstock there, I think, at one point. Uh, I was there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, if you ever get a chance to go down to, to, uh, white Lake and go to the original sites, absolutely amazing. It's worth the trip. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I think it, 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 it quite possibly may happen. I don't know if it, it will answer questions, but when I talk about contact, I mean, people seeing enough craft that it's going to become like, okay, there's, there's something here. Um, so anyway, that's, that's my opinion, uh, on the topic, but, uh, yeah, Kevin's doing some katas in the background, some Chinese martial arts. Jazz Shaw, uh, please put jazz up front and center. Nathan, please. Um, uh, it was an absolute honor to have you on. I hope you'll come back on because I sense that you want to um, explore some of those esoteric aspects of the phenomenon with us further that you heard us exploring with Frank and we would really like to do that with you. Uh, everybody on this show watches you, uh, reads your tweets, and in, enjoys you. And you're extremely knowledgeable uh, for us. And uh, we really appreciate it. So thank you very much. Please tell everybody where that they can find all of your work. Well, I appreciate being invited. And I had a great time. I think you guys have a great panel. I've watched a whole bunch of your shows. And you explore a lot of topics I'm interested in. Um, I don't pretend to be an expert on anything. Uh, you know, I just, I go I dig up information and try to put it out for people, you know, and certainly I, I would come back. I think you're a lot of fun. Um, it's, 
it, it's really been an honor and thank you for having me. Thank you. Where can we find your stuff? Because I, I, where are you writing for and so on and so forth? I just want every, I know everybody that watches this probably is already aware of your work, but where is your primary source that you're writing for, so on and so forth? Oh, I, I write for multiple sources. I write for Salem Media. You can look there. Uh, mostly, you, if, if you want to follow whatever I'm talking about, I'm, my only social media out, outlook, you know, place I hang out is Twitter. I'm at Jazz Shaw, you know. Awesome. Uh, that's that's that and i comment on everything from ufos to politics and government and energy policy to the best way to make martinis yeah you know, and, and horseradish and hybridizing that. horseradish you guys heard it here first <laughs> trust me if you follow me you may you will be disappointed at various times because i have a really eclectic agenda it's like whatever comes over the transom at the moment so but thank you for having me Thank you. It was yeah, an honor you. to have you. Uh, yes, and you. if anybody wants to say goodbye to Jazz for uh, Nathan, for Akashi, for uh, Flair, and for Deb, this is DJ saying peace out, one love, and we'll see you down the road. Take care, guys. <laughs>